Like I said, we're in our Restore series. We're looking at Rekindle today. But the Bible talks a lot about God filling us. We're told he fills us with his love, his joy, his knowledge, his wisdom, his understanding. And most importantly of all, he fills us with himself, his spirit. He's the God who fills us and refills us. The Bible also tells us that without God being there for us, our cups will be empty. And there are people in this world who live their entire lives never knowing the satisfaction of God filling their cup. Even religious Sunday go-to-church people can end up feeling empty, primarily because they aren't quite ready to take God at his word. There's a story told of a preacher who held a Sunday Bible study class at his congregation. It was filled with many old faithful members who'd been there for years. But as they read from the early part of Genesis, where it spoke of certain people living hundreds of years, one of the members spoke up and said they didn't believe it. They felt that they must have measured years differently back then, because it seemed so outlandish to believe someone could live that long. And several other members of the class agreed. As if encouraged by this, another person in the class said they'd always doubted that Jonah had actually been swallowed by a whale. They thought the story was just a fable and wasn't meant to be true. A couple of other people in the class said they thought that too. Now the preacher was obviously upset. How could these people, who'd been in church for years, question some very basic statements in the Bible? Now, there are very many good people in churches across the globe who truly believe that God exists, that he listens to their prayers, and that he sent his son to die for our sins. But they struggle with things in the Bible that they couldn't understand. Let's be real. They've never known anyone who lived much over a hundred years. And here's the Bible telling them to believe someone had lived hundreds of years. Then we get the story of Jonah and the whale. They've never heard of anyone surviving three days and nights inside a fish. So they find it a little hard to swallow, pun intended. And I've even known of some Christians who've struggled with the idea of someone being raised from the dead. After all, they've never known anyone who's come back from the grave. In fact, I'm not sure I'd want to meet anyone who'd come back from the grave. Now, of course, the weakness in their thinking is that they are judging the things of God's word from their own point of view. If they haven't seen it, experienced it, read about it in the newspapers, or dare I say it, on Facebook, it can't possibly have happened. If it makes sense to them, they'll accept it. If not, they push it off to one side. Their faith is based on what they can see. Their faith is based on what they can see. Now Paul says that's not how we should live our Christian faith. He wrote in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 7, we live by faith, not by sight. And as Hebrews puts it, faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. 
And I'm sure these people don't mean to upset God. They just struggle with things they don't understand. They love God and really do believe in him, but they can't quite let him in all the way. They can't wrap their minds around what the Bible says, and so they compromise a little. So they end up having their cup being empty, or only half full, because they can't quite believe God all the way. Now that's the place where we find Simon Peter today, in our scripture reading for today. Peter is a man who loves God, but God isn't the main focus of his life. Peter has a living to make. Peter lives in the real world. He's heard all the stories out of the Old Testament about God's power and miracles, but God has no real influence in Peter's life. It's not that Peter hasn't seen a miracle or two. Just a couple of days before we we pick up today, Jesus healed Peter's mother-in-law. And I suspect he's seen or at least heard about the people Jesus had healed of sickness and demon possession over the last few days. But Peter's only known Jesus a few weeks. He's first introduced to him by his brother Andrew. In the Gospel of John, we find that Andrew breathlessly came to him and told him, we've found the Messiah. And then he took him by the hand and led him to Jesus. And when he got there, Jesus told him, you are Simon, son of John, you'll be called Caiaphas, which when translated is Peter. And from that day on, Jesus has marked Peter as one of his special projects. But in spite of this impressive introduction, Peter was still not that attached to Jesus. Peter's a working man. Religion is all right in its place, but it doesn't pay the bills. So when we get to Luke chapter 5, we find Peter doing what he does best, working. And that's where we get to today. Luke chapter 5, verse 1 to 11. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats, so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid, from now on you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. He's been out fishing all night, and now he's cleaning and drying his nets. Now if you were just casually reading through the Bible, you might think it was purely by chance that Peter happened to be there when Jesus needed a boat. You might be inclined to believe that Jesus had been preaching to the crowds and those people crowded him so that he looked around and lo and behold, there was Simon Peter with his boat. Purely a coincidence. I don't think so. Jesus rarely, if ever, did anything by chance. 
Granted, Jesus was there to preach to the people, but he was principally there to see Peter. Because Peter has more than empty nets. He has an empty soul. And Jesus was there to fill him up. No sooner had Jesus finished preaching, than he turns to Peter and he says, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Now I'm sure Peter likes Jesus well enough, but I can just see him rolling his eyes at this. Peter was a fisherman. He made his living from casting nets into the water and catching fish. And one thing the fisherman knew was how to fish those waters. You didn't fish in deep water in the middle of the day. You wouldn't catch fish that way. A wise fisherman on this lake fished at night in the shallow water because that's where the fish were. And I can just picture Peter looking at Jesus and thinking, he's a nice man. He's a pretty good preacher. He helps a lot of people. But when it comes to fishing, this boy doesn't have enough sense to come out of the rain. And Jesus' statement just reinforces Peter's belief that God is okay in the synagogue, but these religious types don't have a clue about the real world. And so Peter wearily protests, I've been out all night, I haven't caught a thing. And then he stops. He takes one look at Jesus, and he realizes Jesus isn't going to let this thing go. And so I can picture him saying, okay, fine. I like you well enough, Jesus, and I don't think this is going to work, but because you said so, I'll do it. Now bear in mind, after he throws his net into the water, Peter's got to clean it all over again and set it out to dry. He's been working at this all morning already. It's just more work for him to do it. Peter's not doing this because he really wants to. He's doing this as a personal favor for Jesus, and that's the only reason he's doing it. And so Peter leans out over the edge of his boat, and there's no fish to be seen. He casts his net out into the water, and the water begins to boil with fish. Hundreds of fish. More fish than one crew can handle. So they call for another boat to come and help. They caught so many fish that both boats were threatened of being swamped. There were hundreds of fish in their boats. That's probably more fish than Peter ever caught at one time in his entire life. And Peter knows why this happened. Jesus spoke, and Peter reluctantly obeyed. And notice what happens next. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. Now why would he say that? Peter had heard Jesus talking about a God who was interested in him. He'd heard Jesus speak of a God who loved him and cared about what happened to him. But up until this moment, Peter never really believed it. Up to this point in his life, God was over there in the synagogue, down at the temple. God was over there. And Peter would go and visit him once in a while. Peter was safe from God. He could live his life as he pleased. And now God had come into his life, down to his boat. And Peter wasn't comfortable with that. Now what I find interesting is that all this happened because Peter doubted Jesus. I know. 
The Bible is supposed to be filled with people who performed great things because they believed great things. It's supposed to be filled with people who never have doubts or fears. But that's not actually true. A lot of things happen to people in Scripture who have trouble with their faith. Peter doubted Jesus. He didn't think Jesus knew what he was talking about. Jesus said, go out into deeper water and let down your nets. And Peter would just as soon have ignored him. Even when he did let down his nets, he didn't expect much. But why Peter did what he did is important. Simon Peter answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. Peter didn't do what he did because he believed it was going to do any good. He simply did it because Jesus said so. And because he did, he not only caught fish, he caught God. There may come a time in your life when you're going to be faced with doubt. You'll be faced with circumstances you're not comfortable with. And you'll know God would ask you to do something to obey him but it just doesn't make any sense. And you think to yourself, I know this is what God wants me to do, but this isn't going to work. You'll doubt because you can't imagine how it will ever solve the problem, but you have to do it anyway, because God said so. Over the years, I've learned I could take God at his word. And when I'm faced with things I can't understand or which don't make sense, I believe him anyway. When the Bible says people lived hundreds upon hundreds of years back in Genesis, I believe it. I may not be able to explain it or make it sound reasonable, but I believe it anyway. Do you know why? Because God said so. When the Bible tells me Jonah was in the belly of a fish for three days and nights, I may not be able to explain it. I may never have heard of someone who's done that but I believe it anyway, because God said so. When the Bible tells me that people rose from the dead, I may not be able to imagine that happening or have known anyone who's come back from the grave, but I believe it anyway, because God said so. I've learned that God isn't just inside a building on Sunday morning. I've seen him at work in my personal life often enough to realize if God said it, it's true. And so if I do what he asks me to do, it may not make sense, but I'm convinced that if I obey him, he'll fill my life and refill my life with blessing. I may doubt it, but if I obey him, he'll meet my needs. God understands that we all have times of doubt when our faith isn't quite all that it should be, but he longs for the time that even when that happens, we say to him, because you said so, I'll do what needs to be done. So he can fill us with his blessings. But for many of us, that's really hard. And I know that I include myself in this group too. We are between the promise and the blessing. Knowing that the promises that we have to hold on to is one thing. Believing them is another. 
and holding on to them is yet another still. But that is what Jesus asks us to do when he asks us to throw our nets over in the middle of the day, between the promise and the blessing, when the outcome seems the most unlikely. It's in that moment when regardless of what we feel or think, we act obediently. It's in that moment that he rekindles our faith in his promises and we rediscover our hope. As we began to prepare for this series, I knew that I needed to begin preparing my heart. I knew that I needed to be ready to hear what God wanted me to share with his people. To be completely honest and vulnerable, these past few months have been a bit tough. Never mind the last few weeks and even the last few days. And at times I've really felt that God was silent. Life seemed heavy and things just felt really hard. But being who I am, I just kept going. Pulled myself towards myself and carried on. And when we planned this series last year, a song immediately came on my heart. And it's our theme song for the series. Rafana by Maverick City Music. And as I prepared for 2023 and this first sermon series, I decided I'd use the chorus as my prayer. I want to be tried by fire, purified. You take whatever you desire. Lord, here's my life. Not an easy prayer to pray, but in surrender and obedience, I repeated it. Sung it often as a prayer. It's been a challenge for me. It's been hard. Some days I haven't been able to sing those words, but I still let them wash over me as a prayer of surrender. I'm still between the promise and whatever the end is, and if I'm honest, I feel more in the fire now than I did when I first started praying that prayer. And I know that God is stripping away the things that he needs to. He's purifying the parts of my life that need to be purified. And boy, have some of those moments been really hard. The lessons have been bittersweet to learn. And even more so this last week as I prepared to share with you. But I know that if you have the courage to meet the challenge of the promise, you will receive the blessing of the promise. Some of God's promises contain a physical blessing, but all of them contain a spiritual blessing. In the account we read this morning, the promise Jesus made contained both a physical and spiritual blessing. In addition to the record catch, the disciples were also blessed with powerful glimpses of Jesus' power and trustworthiness. Which blessing had the bigger impact on their lives? It was obviously the spiritual blessing, for they left everything and followed him. I've often heard people say they can't help but feel bitter towards God because they feel like he blesses others and not him, and not them. 
I often hear them say, I see God doing things for other people, but he's never done anything for me. And my response is, God may have done more for you than you give him credit for. Maybe we just need to start meeting the challenges contained in God's promises, and that'll fix our feelings of not being blessed. No one has ever been faithful to God without God being faithful in return. Read Hebrews 6 verse 18. God has given us both his promise and his oath. These two things are unchangeable because it is impossible for God to lie. Therefore, we who have fled to him for refuge can take new courage, for we can hold on to his promise with confidence. So if you find yourself between the promise and the blessing, and in need of some refilling, just go and reread Luke 5, and remind yourself of the promises God has made you, and allow him to rekindle his hope in your heart.